Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. I'm called Adrian. This is episode 216 and is one in the Back to Health series. In this episode, we are speaking to a man called Tony. Uh, Tony very kindly agreed to share his story, and I think you'll find it fascinating. He had his career as a pilot ended early by an unexpected heart attack when he considered himself to be reasonably fit and healthy. And certainly the medical test he was having at the time as part of his career as a pilot indicated that he was in, I would say, reasonable shape, if not good shape. I'm going to leave Tony to explain the rest of his story to you, but I would encourage you to listen to this episode in its entirety. There are some real gems of information and knowledge with regard to this man's discovery of his health process that I believe could be very useful for you as well. Hi, Tony. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. Uh, thank you, Adrian. It's, it's brilliant to be on. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching your videos and I've gained an awful lot from your uh, your website over the last year or two. So thank you for that. You're doing a great job. All right. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. Um, so you have quite a story to tell about your health, don't you? Uh, do you want to start by telling me what life was like beforehand and what you were doing? Okay, well, my adult uh, life uh, began uh, as an electrical engineer working on power system design. Mm-hmm. But I very, very swiftly moved into the Air Force with aspirations to be an astronaut, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent 16 years uh, tour- traveling around the world and, and finding how the world worked, really, with the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was great. But then in 1999, I decided to move to the civilian world mm-hmm. and became a pilot with uh, Virgin Atlantic. And again, that was a wonderful job. Um, and I anticipated being in that job until I would retire at 65. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, in 2014, I had a very unexpected heart attack. Okay. Um, now, leading up to that point, I suppose physically, I was slightly overweight, one could say. Um, but as a pilot, as a, a an aging pilot, you get medical checks every six months, mm-hmm. and those include an ECG, etc. Mm-hmm. And so there were, there were no indications at that point that was there anything particularly wrong with me. Mm. Uh, and this is why it, beca- it was a bit of a shock to to both me, uh, people who knew me, and of course the doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, on the face value, I suppose I didn't appear particularly ill before I had the heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, obviously, life changed very much after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so. It really was a bolt from the blue, as it were. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was following all the guidance that you would expect people to follow. So the standard sort of eat well, plate diet that's pushed out by the mainstream. (laughs) I was following that pretty well. I was on a low-fat diet. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was was exercising. Um, You know, I was... A little bit of alcohol, but in moderation. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs, anything like that. Yeah. So I would be the sort of typical model of a, of a, a normal person yeah. living by the rules, if you like. So okay. it was a bit of a shock. All right. So so what what happened then? I presume your life got turned on its head. Yeah, it was a bit. It was because it, it all happened very quickly. I, I did a trip to Cape Town in the um, Christmas of 2014, and I got back on Christmas morning actually. Now. I hadn't felt particularly well in Cape Town, but I, I got back and I, I, I sort of slept. And when I woke up, I felt like I'd been beaten up. I didn't know what was wrong, but it was Christmas Day, so I cracked on, mm-hmm. um, but made a mental note that I need to see a doctor just to see if there's anything you know, underlying. Yeah. And uh, and then when I did get to see the doctor, he, he said, well, I think you should go to A&E straight away. I think you might have uh, had a heart attack. So I, I did that, and sure enough, when they measured the troponin levels and looked at the ECG, I definitely had a heart attack. Oh, gosh. Um, and so I was 
sort of rushed into the into the cardiac ward and a, and the cardiologist very kindly stuck a stent in an angiogram and I ended up with a stent mm-hmm. um, and it, it revealed at that point that I had quite a lot of atherosclerosis in my coronary trees mm-hmm. um, so the, the one they stented was 97% blocked but there was another major artery that was 50% blocked and a, a couple of other ones that mm-hmm. were significantly blocked and so this stuff was obviously rife in my heart mm-hmm. um, and also I, I realized I was pre-diabetic um, my HbA1c was 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 quite high mm-hmm. so I was, I was obviously drifting towards type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. and when I looked at my weight in reality I was about three stone overweight okay um, and, and so that's the state I was in immediately after the after the heart attack okay and and what what was life like after that for you then because I presume they put you onto some drugs and stuff as well but I presume your energy levels were shot and everything yeah, well, actually, as soon as the stent went in and my heart was, was sort of opened up again, I, I didn't feel too bad. And I went, as you say, onto the standard, what would be called the standard regime of, of drugs mm-hmm. post-heart attack. And that's about five or six drugs. Mm-hmm. So they include things like beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, um, clopidogrel, which is a, an anticoagulant. So that the, the stent that's been put in there, it doesn't focus um, sort of coagulation. So that there's a drug that sort of, prevents that happening mm-hmm. aspirin thin the thin the blood and of course statins which are supposed to uh, lower your cholesterol levels so i had about five or six drugs at that point mm-hmm. um but i didn't feel too bad and i got straight back into exercise um, and i set myself a goal of doing a half ironman that year just wow. to, to prove to myself that it wasn't the end of the world oh i wasn't allowed to fly anymore because the caa took, the, took my license off me mm-hmm. but at least I, I didn't want it to be such a downer that I got depressed. So I thought I'll set myself a physical goal mm-hmm. and, I, and I worked towards that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that journey took, in the end, it took eight months. Um, I was going to do one in six months, but unfortunately I fell off my bicycle, had a pretty bad crash on the bike and broke my arm and things. Oh. That set me back a couple of months. Yeah. But I did manage to complete the half Ironman in the August of, of 2015. Yeah. Um, and after that, I didn't really recover. This was when the problem started to happen. I Normally, I recover reasonably quickly from exercise, and mm-hmm. I never really recovered from that effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and by September, October time, I was feeling really quite poorly. I was getting all sorts of symptoms that I couldn't really pin on anything. Mm-hmm. My, my legs were aching. Um, I couldn't recover from exercise. Any exercise I did, I felt tired afterwards. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, I didn't feel that I wanted to get out of bed in the morning. I had no drive. Mm-hmm. Erectile dysfunction started to kick in. Um, and I just felt really lousy. And by October, mm-hmm. I, I honestly thought I had something seriously wrong with me. I, I, I had, I had a, something that was going to kill me or mm-hmm. it was the drugs. It, must, it was one or the other. Mm-hmm. And that was the sort of point where I said, okay, I need to start looking at what I'm actually putting into my body mm-hmm. to see if I can pin down anything to do with the drugs and my symptoms mm-hmm. isn't that interesting that the uh, so many people get to that point in fact so many people don't get to that point they just carry on down that path but when you start to ask some critical questions and start to really dive into it the answers from what it sounds like can be quite revealing uh yeah indeed um i did some rudimentary research i mean alongside my uh, flying career, I've, I've sort of kept an academic career going, if you like. Mm-hmm. So I've got quite a strong background in things like engineering, physics, chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, mathematics. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very lucky that I can actually read scientific research. Mm-hmm. I can read 
technical information about biochemistry, et cetera, and understand it. Mm-hmm. And so that advantage allowed me to do some rudimentary research, and it became apparent very quickly that of all the drugs I was taking, it was likely that the statin was the one causing the most problems. Okay. And so I focused on the statin at that point. Mm-hmm. And I, I took a unilateral decision. I said, well, let's see what happens if I just stop taking this, the statin mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks. Let's see what happens to my body. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, within days, really, it, but with, certainly within two or three weeks, I felt normal again. <laughs> wow. And, and so that was, it's not a definitive answer, but it, it sort of indicated that that may well be the yeah. source of of the problems yeah i mean logic tells you that it's got a hand in it doesn't it yeah um and so then i sort of decided well let's have a real deep look at the statin drug and see how it works yeah and i got into a thing called the mevalonate pathway which is a biochemical pathway in the body uh in which cholesterol is manufactured if you like Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you look at this uh, pathway you realize how critical it is Mm -hmm to the health of the body, because it's not just cholesterol that's produced by this biosynthesis. It's other drugs, other molecules Mm -hmm. for the body, things like coenzyme Q10, dolichols. And from cholesterol, cholesterol itself is the precursor for other important molecules like testosterone, estrogen, vitamin D. And then you realize that by disrupting this pathway right at the top, (laughs) you're not just disrupting cholesterol, you're disrupting all of this wonderful tree of molecules that the body must need yeah. well you basically you're taking the most important one of the most important raw materials out of the chemical factory and if you want to make a chocolate cake and you've got no chocolate it's not going to be a chocolate cake anymore exactly yeah that's exactly true yeah. um and I, I delved a little bit into what cholesterol does in the body mm-hmm. i was quite naive as to how mm-hmm. important it was mm-hmm. when i realized that okay i'm messing around with a really crucial molecule here yeah why am i doing that and is this the reason that i felt so sick mm-hmm. um and once I decided that I wasn't going to take statins anymore, yeah. which really upset the, the doctors, obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> I then questioned, well, why am I taking the other drugs? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allowed me to sort of make, make sensible, rational decisions about, well, actually, I don't need to be taking these either. Because when I probed why they give you this package of drugs, it's, it's really a statistical thing where mm-hmm. this package is statistically shown to be the best combination of drugs because there's nothing wrong with my blood pressure or heart rate mm-hmm. before the heart attack. Yeah. And yet I was taking drugs that were impacting those metrics yeah. unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it seemed sensible, to, if I could, just to come off all of the drugs yeah. uh, and then deal with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at that time, I thought the consequence was that I'll have high cholesterol and that that would be an issue. And this took me down the next part of the journey, which was to let's let's really probe cholesterol and the cholesterol story and see if that is a problem or if it's not. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's, yeah. it's an interesting one when you do that. If we just step back to statins a little bit, I suspect that a very large proportion of the population are on statins. And as we explore why cholesterol is important and what it does, it'll become apparent perhaps why they actually do that because I think it's involved in a dumbing down process, but we'll get to that. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel. 
but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, the Staten story is a very interesting one. Um, one. One thing I discovered when I started the cholesterol uh, journey was I thought there were different types of cholesterol. I thought there was good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Which is what we're told. Part. We're told this. Yeah. And we're told about high cholesterol and low cholesterol. Yeah. Well, of course, when you, when you actually do the research, you find out that there isn't no, there's no bad or good cholesterol. There's just cholesterol. There's just one molecule and it's yeah. called cholesterol. It's very important. And then you say, well, why are they why are they telling us that there's a good version and a bad version? Mm-hmm. And if you ask a doctor, they'll say, well, it's, it's too difficult to explain the real truth. So, <laughs> so we just explain it in a way that normal people can understand. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, but by doing that, you're giving them the impression that there's something bad inside them yeah. that needs to, you know, if, if anybody hears there's something bad inside them, they want to get rid of it. They, yeah. want, to, yeah. they want to lower it or remove it. Yeah. And this is the rationale for saying, oh, yeah, I'll take that drug. Because yeah. that drug definitely does lower this cholesterol. And if you think it's the bad version, then that's great. Yeah. And that's how they sort of market the drug. And that's why so many people are convinced to take this thing that they don't need. And I think that the human body is very resourceful. And so if you're on a low dose of this drug, there's probably enough compensation yeah. naturally within the body yeah. to sort of ward off the side effects. So you wouldn't probably feel bit, any side effects. They're like flying in a crosswind. You just angle the plane a bit differently, don't you? Yeah. But I think I was on the full dose, you know, the maximum dose of athletes. <laughs> and so that was impacting my body to the extent where it just couldn't compensate anymore. Yeah. And I was getting manifestations of, of, the, of, the, of the, the sort of lack of cholesterol that my body wanted. And mm-hmm. if you think about the, the high and low aspect of this story, I thought, well, what is high cholesterol? What is low cholesterol? And when you think about it, if you go into the, into the high street and, and measure people's cholesterol, you'll get a broad range yeah. from three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them will sort of gravitate around five, but there's a, there's a spectrum. It's not an, a sort of a normal distribution, but it's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. And the key point is that all of these people are healthy. Yeah. They're, not, they're not sick because their cholesterol is above an arbitrary value, which yeah. has been picked out of the air. Yeah. But by drawing a line on this graph at 5.2 millimoles per litre, or whatever they did, yeah. They, did, they then delineate everybody to the right of that yeah. as high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And this is then the reason to give them a statin, yeah. which is nonsensical. It's good marketing. It's very good marketing. <laughs> and, and, and I think this is what drives um, a, a, lot, a lot of this health stuff. It, it's yeah. people, people have the perception that pharmaceutical companies are there for, for their health benefit. And whilst some of the stuff they produce might be useful, yeah. it is... It is driven by profit for shareholders. That's their primary goal, and I've got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. They are businesses, and their primary aim is to yeah. service their shareholders. Yeah. But people think that that is not the prime driver. They think that the pharmaceutical companies is working to make you healthy, but that's a, that's a terrible business model. If you need people <laughs> in your business, you need them sick and alive. You don't need them dead or healthy. That's right. And so to perpetuate the customer base, if you like, mm-hmm. that's what you need to do. And if the drugs are making people sick but not killing them, that's a perfect model. It sounds very callous, and, and but I think that's the reality when you when you come down to it. Well, I, I think it is, Tony. And, and the other thing to think about from that as well is, is people are 
consuming something, it will then more than likely give a side effect or side effects. And then you've got the option then to give them other things to try and balance that out, which of course cause more side effects. And that's how people end up with 10, 15, 20, 25 different medications going on and getting yeah, really that, out of whack with it. That's definitely how it works, isn't it? Once yeah. you disrupt the system in some way, yeah. Yeah. then you're going to need some compensatory drug to, 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 yeah. And so I think one of the keys to health is, is stripping it right back to basics and understanding that your body is very, very clever and very good at looking after itself. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is disrupt it unless you really have to. Yeah, absolutely. So if we could move on to cholesterol then, because you, you started, and I did interrupt you about the statins because I wanted to explore that some more. So you started to look more at cholesterol, um, and I suspect that gave you some very interesting insights. Indeed it did. Now, we've, we've talked a little bit about the, the, the good and bad and, and the and the low and high side of it. But the, the, the key thing about cholesterol is that it's so important. When you look at its function in the body, mm-hmm. it's in every cell wall to, to give the cell its rigidity and structure. Yeah. It's, the, it's the precursor for so many important other molecules. Yeah. We talk about vitamin D, which is crucial in the current climate. Vitamin yeah. D is one of the key things that's going to protect you from anything. Mm-hmm. It's part of the immune system's integrity. <clears throat> and you know, without the cholesterol, you can't manufacture vitamin D. Mm-hmm. You need sunlight, you need the cholesterol under the skin, etc., in, in some form. Mm-hmm. And by restricting cholesterol, you're going to restrict the production of things like vitamin D. Yeah. And then, of course, your brain is pretty much made of this, of this stuff. Yeah. And so it's such a crucial molecule. Yeah. Uh, so intuitively, it's nonsensical to be trying to reduce it because I firmly believe that we're all different and we all need a different amount of cholesterol yeah. at any given time. Yeah. And you might measure it one day and it's this, another day it might be that. Mm-hmm. And that will be determined by the body listening to itself mm-hmm. and manufacturing this molecule to requirements. Mm-hmm. And it's a very complex molecule, cholesterol. It's got hexagonal rings, pentagonal rings, carbon chains. It's a very complicated thing to make. Mm-hmm. And so the body's not going to make it unless it needs it. It's mm-hmm. got better things to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I looked at was the impact of diet on cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Because there's this, there's this sort of feeling amongst people in general that if they eat cholesterol, that that adds to what the body is already producing. Mm-hmm. And I very much get the impression that the body's not that stupid. And if you add through the mouth exogenous cholesterol Mm -hmm. the liver says oh thanks very much i'm going to down regulate my production Mm because that means i can get on with something else Mm -hmm. and so whilst the cholesterol levels in the body might change in the very short term in the sort of two or three day term over time Mm -hmm. the the body will just reach its homeostasis it will just go back to that norm yeah if you eat more it'll produce less if you eat less it'll produce more yeah to give you the amount of cholesterol that your body needs. Yeah, at a given moment, because that those requirements are going to change. Exactly. Yeah. And and so on that premise, I realized that I should not be messing around with my cholesterol. Yeah. And and then it was a case of, well, is cholesterol the cause of the heart disease that I, I was suffering? Because that was what I was led to believe all of my life is that cholesterol saturated fat are the things that drive heart disease and i thought that for the whole of my life well you would do and that, that's part of the great inversion yes i mean you talk about inversion i know a lot on your website and that's yeah. so true that so many things in life are completely the opposite to what you think they are yes. this is obviously one of them yeah. because when i started de- delving back into the history of the cholesterol heart hypothesis yeah 
you go back to the sort of 50s and 60s and Ansel Keys and his seven countries study or whatever he called it. And then you realize as a mathematician that this guy has just taken a small subset of his data to give him the curve that was required to make the point he was trying to make. That seems to be a popular thing to do. Yeah, it is. Cherry picking data is a very popular. And as a mathematician, I can normally see through it. Yeah. And when you start looking at Ansel Keys's work, he was doing a lot of good work, but it, 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 he was obviously convinced that he was right, and therefore he wanted to portray this, this story to be true. Yeah. And then, when you look at the, the whole data set, it's probably the other way around. In fact, higher cholesterol levels were promoting health, not not destroying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the story, well, how can this perpetuate over decades and decades? Yeah. And it's just, it's a story of corruption and manipulation and control. Mm-hmm. So that through the education system, through the research systems, mm-hmm. where the control mechanisms are so powerful. They've got control over the media, over the research, over the, the journal, academic journals. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like research grants are very important yeah. to scientists, etc., and so this skews the output from research. Yeah. And this is one of the main problems we've got in medicine is that we don't have independent research. Pretty much all of the research is funded by vested interests. Yeah. And if you're a research scientist, you're not going to come out with some damning <laughs> conclusion from the research that's just been funded by the people who want a certain angle on it. You're not going to last long if you do that. No, exactly. So you want the next research grant. Yeah. So... In, with the best will in the world, you've got a family, you've got a mortgage, you've got a job. You want to keep all those things, yeah. and so you'll say, "Well, yeah, I could, I could, I could portray it like this, but I'll just portray it like this, mm-hmm. just to keep them happy, and then I'll get the next." Yeah. And it sounds cynical, but it, that's how the system works. Yeah. Um, and this is why we have this perpetuation. Mm-hmm. And one of the key aspects is the distortion in the education yeah. process. Yeah. It's endemic in the whole education process, right from primary school through universities. Mm-hmm. But in this domain that we're talking about now, the education of doctors is so skewed towards the allopathic regime yeah. where it's diagnose, prescribe, mm-hmm. and this is the way to treat, rather than looking at the patient holistically and saying, what's causing this problem? Yeah. What's the root cause? Yeah. Can, we, can we solve this without the drugs? That's not how they're taught. No. And for nutrition specifically... The doctors get virtually no training about how nutrition affects the body. Yeah. And yet this is probably the fundamental pillar of health. It's what you built mouthful by mouthful. Yeah, exactly. We're, we are what we eat, yeah. effectively. Yeah. So it's nonsensical that an education system that lasts many years for our, our, our doctors yeah. doesn't include a significant part of the nutritional story. But it's, it's purposely omitted yeah. so that the doctors... And they will, they will all admit this, that they don't get enough training. They yeah. don't understand it. Um, but they don't seem to want to question why that is. Yeah. And that's what you know, irks me a little bit. Well, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think part of the problem is the, it seems to me that the further down you go with the education, so you're getting more specific, more well-educated, more focused as you get along to PhD and stuff like that, that the indoctrination process intensifies and channels you and focuses you into dead ends and blind corners. That's what it seems to do. Yeah, it, it certainly certainly does. I, I obviously I work in academia now, and it, and it's very it's very apparent. Mm-hmm. These are very very clever people, yeah. very intelligent, clever people, and in their niche, 
They are fantastic. Yeah. They're amazing people. Yeah. And a lot of the science that, that is done is amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's the conclusions that's, that are, that's drawn from this science is where the problem yeah. comes. Because often, particularly in nutrition and, and things like this, you, you're looking at one input and measuring one output mm -hmm. in a multi-variable dynamical system. Yeah. So you've got thousands of variables, but you're only changing one and looking at the effect on the other. <laughs> and you, yeah. you change X and it changes Y in this way. And, and this is the... But it also but changes not, all the other letters. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't realised that changing X actually changed Z, and it was Z that changed Y, not X. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this epidemiological stuff, and this is why we get the headlines in the newspapers, you know, three eggs a day give you a 20% greater chance of getting bowel cancer or something. This is where all this nonsense comes from. <laughs> yeah. Because we're not looking at the holistic thing. Yeah. We're just looking at the very specific things. Yeah. And this is where all these people who are very clever and expert, they're looking at this one thing, but yeah. they're not looking at the holistic picture yeah. and how that fits into that. And often this, this picture is, is indeterminate. You, these complex systems are so complex, we just, we just will never be able to work out how they work. Yeah. And you can relate this to the economy, mm -hmm. to the climate, yeah. to the human body. Yeah. These are very complex systems yeah. that it's almost impossible for us to know how they're all interconnected within themselves. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, mean, well, I think one of the things that certainly I learned to do is I was trying to pick my health back up and, and the people around me was to pay much more attention to our own sensing equipment. How do I feel? You know, and if I change that, how does it make me feel, all of me, you know, in terms of energy levels, emotionally, physically, everything? Because we've got this amazing outfit that we experience life through and it's full of feedback and a lot of life seems to dumb that feedback down, and then you get kind of trapped up here as well. So you're ignoring what's going on in the rest. Yeah, yeah. I think people are perhaps underconfident in their own intuition, yeah. and they won't acknowledge that they are the experts on their own body. They they can feel their own body. They know their history. Mm -hmm. They know their aspirations. They know their stresses. Yeah. They, they know the environment in which they're living mm -hmm. in terms of toxicity, etc. So they've got all of this information and they are the expert on themselves. Yeah. And yet they're prepared to delegate to a third party, a doctor, GP or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they think that that person's going to know more about them than they do. Yeah. And this is wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to listen to yourself, as you said, feel what's going on. Yeah. Look yeah. at what's, what you're doing and say, well, let, uh, let's see if I can change that. What will happen? Yeah. Now, obviously, there are times when we need external help. Yeah. I broke my arm. I was very grateful for the drugs that took the pain away and, and for the doctors that were able to stitch me back together, etc. Mm -hmm. And there are drugs that are very important. Type 1 diabetics need certain drugs. Mm -hmm. When we're in pain, some sort of painkillers are really helpful. Mm -hmm. When we need to be knocked out, it's useful to have analgesia. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying all drugs are bad and to be avoided, and that's not true. But we've we've moved too much towards this paradigm of I've got something wrong with me. Let's go and ask a third party yeah. and they'll give me some pills and that will make me better. But it doesn't. What it does is disrupt what's yeah. already wrong with you even more in, in many circumstances. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things to do is I, I always think of everything in really simple terms. So something has a cause and it's causing an effect. And if I take a pill which suppresses the effect, it means I've not taken responsibility in myself for addressing the cause, which I've had a hand in either directly or indirectly, some kind of toxin possibly or some kind of deficiency. 
So, you know, there's a light touch possibly if necessary, but in my experience, you can do so much yourself just by backtracking and saying, what's behind this? And let's treat all of these so-called diseases, which they give labels to, as an effect, and then let's try and find the cause button or cause buttons. And as you said before, that X may be affected Y, it could be that your effect is actually triggered by something else way up the chain. If you get to that, there's a cascade of other things that you're not even realizing are going on yet because they're not serious enough. They all settle down too. For example, like being short on magnesium, it has massive impacts throughout your entire system. And yet most people yeah. aren't aware of it. Yeah, well, shortage of anything, <clears throat> calcium, magnesium, yeah. iodine, all of these substances, salt, I mean, sodium, yeah. all of these substances are critical. Yeah. And the I think the body snatches them away so that it can draw upon them when it needs them. Yeah. But if you've got some sort of balanced, reasonable diet, you're going to keep that flow going yeah. and that will keep you healthy. Yeah. And I think one of the main things about health is to, is to reduce it right back to its basics. Mm-hmm. And if you allow your body to be in its basic, uninterfered with state, mm-hmm. generally it's going to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Obviously there'd be the odd outliers where it doesn't or breaks down, particularly as you get older, but, Generally, if you if you reduce it, if you get rid of all the toxins, mm-hmm. so if you breathe clean air, if you drink calm, pure water, mm-hmm. if you de-stress yourself mm-hmm. so that your endocrine system is in harmony, yeah. if you eat organic, local, nutritious food, yeah. if you fill fill your life with love and happiness yeah. and joy yeah. and hope, this will feed into a healthy body. Because it's, the body's not just a physical thing. It's obviously, a, there's a soul, there's a, there's a spirituality to yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And that's ignored by the whole of medicine, really. That's dismissed as bunkum. Yeah. But that's a very important. You've got to feed your soul and your spirit as well yeah. as the physical manifestation we call the, the human body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's missed, I think. But that's the key to health. It, it's, it's, it's getting rid of the toxic things in life yeah. and replacing them with the things that make us healthy. Yeah, yeah, get rid of toxins and have things that are nutritious, including nutritious thoughts, nutritious relationships, things that don't degrade you, that don't de, yeah. uh, not innovate. The other, oh, I can't remember the word for. They take energy away from you anyway. If we can step back a little bit, because obviously, what happened then with you that you you started looking at that and the low fat diet and everything? I presume at that point you made a real transition in your diet, and then noticed things start to happen. And where did that lead? Yeah, exactly. So um, once I got rid of my cholesterol phobia, mm-hmm. I said, well, what, let, let's look at um, what about my diet, if that was the cause? Yeah. What, what, you know, what, what, what part of the diet was, was, the, was responsible for the heart disease? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, to my mind, it became fairly obvious fairly quickly that carbohydrates were the key thing that was probably the cause of my heart disease through the insulin mechanism. Mm-hmm. I've got the view that insulin is obviously a vital substance in the body, but it's not supposed to be flooding our body 24-7. It's supposed to come in and do its job and then go away again. Mm -hmm. But we've got into this regime that's been, it's a societal regime where we're told to eat carbohydrates with every sitting Mm -hmm. and we're told to to sort of have a snack in between those sittings. So we end up with five <laughs> sittings a day where we have breakfast with carbs, yeah. then we feel hungry and we have elevenses with a cake and yeah. coffee, and then we have lunch, and then we have afternoon tea yeah. with, a, with a scone, and then we have so And so we have this continual demand on our pancreas to produce insulin yeah. because as 
you eat carbohydrates, your blood sugars go up, your glucose goes up, yeah. and it becomes toxic and it has to be got rid of. Yeah. And then the body needs insulin to open the cell doors so that it can yeah. push the... And, and so we've got this chronic exposure to insulin all of the time because of the way we live our lives. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think that probably part of the story for atherosclerosis is that the insulin, because it's there all the time, is probably irritating the, the arterial walls. Mm -hmm. probably, it's probably a very complex mechanism that causes this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not pretending that I know what, what the answer is. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a multifactorial thing, and I think insulin plays its part. Mm. And and the whole cholesterol thing is is just nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, there is cholesterol. If you do an autopsy on on a on a plaque in in the arterial wall, you will find cholesterol in there. Mm -hmm. But but it it didn't go there. It didn't cause the problem. It's just there as part of the the repair mechanism, if you like. Yeah. It's a bit like a fireman that you'll find at a house fire. Yeah. They're there trying to put the fire out. They're not the cause. They didn't go there and light the fire. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> but we've demonized it. And also, I don't want to get too technical, but the things like LDL, which is the demon, hmm. if you go out and have a lipid spectrum test, the LDL is the demon. Oh, you need to lower your LDL. Well, this is a low-density lipoprotein, but it's not just a single thing. It's a boat that carries essential stuff around the body. Hmm. And there are different types of boats. So there are, there are half a dozen or so. LDL particles of varying sizes mm -hmm. and they contain various amounts of things like triglycerides and cholesterol and fat soluble vitamins but it's only one of those boats that's got any association with atherosclerosis it's the very small dense uh, particles okay so you've got all these other d boats of LDL that have got no relationship whatsoever to heart disease so you condemn all boats because one might yeah. be problematic yes exactly and most people don't realize that they think LDL is, again, just one thing, and it's not. Yeah. But we measure LDL without measuring the number of types of boats. We just lump it together. We don't often measure it. <laughs> oh, my it God, either. you've got boats. <laughs> yeah, you've got boats. And they're essential boats as well. But they're demonized en masse. Yeah. When, in fact, we should be saying, how many of your boats are these nasty little ones that shouldn't yeah. be there? And there are tests that can determine that, but they're very expensive and they're not commonly available. Right. And so... Our GPs look at the lipids spectrum and go, oh, your LDL is raised. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a problem unless it's raised with an excess of these yeah. small boats. I'm sort of digressing here. But anyway, <clears throat> in terms of the diet, I realized that the best way forward initially to try was to reduce the carbohydrates, yeah. uh, particularly the complex ones. Yeah. So that the only carbohydrates I was, I was eating were giving me sort of other things that I, my body needs, like vitamins and minerals. This is the only reason to eat healthy vegetables, etc., yeah. or fruit. It's because they give you other stuff. It's not because your body needs the carbohydrate content. Yeah. Um, and then focus all of my sort of energy requirements for the body on fat. So to derive all my energy from fats. Um, and so I switched the, the macro balance. Mm -hmm. We've got three macros, which is obviously fats, carbohydrates, <clears throat> and proteins. Yeah. And I went completely... I inverted it, as you say. I, I went away <laughs> yeah. from the carbs to the fat. So my fat intake was 65% of my total calories. Okay. And my uh, and my protein was around about 20 to 25 so, so just to help people, typically what were you eating? Um, well, I, I, I identified the healthy fats. You need to be clear that some fats are not healthy for you. Mm -hmm. So the things that have got a healthy name, like vegetable oils, they're not healthy for you <laughs> because... <laughs> They have been processed, and in the processing 
sort of how they are processed involves heat yeah. and maybe catalysts. And you know, this heating and cooling disrupts the molecular structure in a way that the body doesn't particularly like. And it also affects the the ratio of the of the various things like omega six to three. These ratios are changed yeah. and become unhealthy in things like vegetable oils. Right. And so they are inflammatory. And I'm always trying to avoid inflammation because I think that's the one of the root causes of the heart disease. Yeah. So I cut out the vegetable oils. I cut out the margarines. Mm-hmm. Cut out the trans fats. Mm-hmm. And I moved to olive oil, coconut oil, butter, lard, tallow, ghee. These natural oils that are not tampered with yeah. that occur in nature yeah. and are very very nutritious in terms of the, the, the mix of fats yeah and i move towards things like eggs mm-hmm. uh, avocados which are perfect packages yeah. of nutrition yeah. um and so I, I i moved away from the bread and the pasta and the rice and the potatoes mm-hmm. i moved towards these sorts of healthy fats so a, a nice piece of fish a piece of salmon or something You've got lovely fats in there. You've got wonderful protein. You've got lots of minerals and vitamins. Mm-hmm. Or an avocado where you've got this, you know, lots of mixes of really healthy fats yeah. plus all this nutritious stuff. Yeah. And so a typical breakfast would be three or four eggs with an avocado covered in olive oil mm-hmm. or a steak with some leafy green vegetables. Mm-hmm. And in terms of fruit, I move towards the berries rather than the high glycemic index fruits Mm -hmm. so if you look at things like bananas and grapes they're very high in fructose Mm -hmm. um so if you're doing doing an an ironman it's quite good to eat grapes and bananas because you need that immediate energy Mm -hmm. but if you're sat watching the television and you want a piece of fruit you're better off gravitating towards blueberries blackberries raspberries strawberries because Mm -hmm. they're not as high in terms of their glycemic load Mm -hmm. and i tended to cover everything in fat so if i have any berries i'll cover it with clotted cream double cream Mm -hmm. all of this stuff and i cook everything in in olive oil or butter etc and you'd be surprised how hard it is to get that balance of fat into your diet but after a while you get used to it and of course fat is twice as calorific and it's very satiating Mm -hmm. so per gram it's twice as calorific as say carbohydrates yeah Um, and so on the plate um, obviously the proportions you get used to what looks like a, a balanced plate for what you're trying to achieve yeah um, and I nibble on things like nuts and cheese and, and yeah. stuff like that yeah and one of the mechanisms that makes this work is it makes you not hungry yep because a, a side effect of insulin in the body is that it blocks the signal to tell your brain that you've eaten a load of stuff it blocks a thing called leptin and that's the signal to your brain to say you don't need to eat any more food yeah. this is why people are continually hungry if they're eating carbohydrates yes because the brain's sense. never getting the message that it's eating too much yeah whereas once you get onto this high fat regime yeah. the signaling system works in the endocrine world yeah and you're never hungry i'm never hungry these days yeah um, and that's what regulates the calorific intake yeah. and that's why you lose weight and return to your natural yeah, health, healthy weight. So, how much weight did you lose then? It was about fifty pounds. So, wow. My metrics. This this happened very quickly. About five months. This took, and it was in twenty sixteen. By this uh, point, mm-hmm. and I did a number of short trials on the on the ketogenic diet, basically. So, I yeah. did a five day trial, and then a two week trial, and then I went full on. And once I went full on, my my. My weight went from about 15 stone to about 11 and a half stone. Yeah. My, my waist went from 38 inches to 30 inches. <laughs> um, my athletic performance went off the scale. I mean, I, 
I used to run a half marathon in 2.23 and it went down to 1.44 okay. very rapidly. And then my 5K time went from something like 31 minutes to 21 minutes. I mean, it's just extraordinary change. Yeah. My ability to perform athletically. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing was that my blood work, my lipid work, went exactly the opposite to the way that the mainstream medical profession would think it would go. Another inversion. Doctor, <laughs> yeah, the, the doctors are saying, well, if you if you eat all this fat, your cholesterol is going to go off the scale and your LDL is going to go off the scale and your triglyceride is going to go off the scale. Yeah. Of course, when they measured the blood, it was exactly the opposite. Yeah. My total cholesterol dropped quite dramatically. Hmm. My LDL dropped dramatically. My HDL went up and my triglycerides dropped mm -hmm. dramatically. My HbA1c, which is the sort of glycation, the sugar, how much sugar is in your body over an extended period of time. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the markers for diabetes. That went from the upper 40s into the low 30s. Wow. And so I was no longer diabetic. Mm -hmm. I'd lost all of the obese aspects of my ill health. Mm -hmm. And later on in this journey, the doctors did a few tests and they, they, they thought that there was a good chance that my heart disease had regressed mm -hmm. because my athletic performance didn't tie in at all yeah. with a diseased heart. Yeah. Um, and so there's this complete transformation in my health in a very short period of time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is very surprising once you start to give the body what it needs, how fast it can turn itself around. Yeah, that that is quite shocking because when you realise how you've abused the body and the duration of that abuse, mm -hmm. unwittingly, you think you're doing the right thing, yeah. but, you're, but you're not. You're abusing your body. Yeah. And the resilience of this body to cope with that abuse for such a long time, for yeah. decades, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And I think as soon as you get it right, mm -hmm. it goes, oh, for that. You know, it just <laughs> heaves a big sigh of relief. At last he's worked it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So, oh, you... can I just say that you're getting a little bit of feedback there. Um, I'm not sure if that's uh, a problem with the sound. Has it started now? Is it still continuing? Yeah, it just started about half a minute ago. Um, so we were talking about diet and going to a high fat diet. I bet your doctors had something to say about that. Yeah, they were quite distraught to start with. I mean, I get on really well with my, uh, my GP. He's a great guy. Yeah. But he's very much in the, uh, sort of in the regime of, of the mainstream. Mm. And he couldn't understand why somebody who he thought had a reasonably agile mind was going against the grain so much. And I think it was th at this point where I started to get a little bit, uh, well, the penny dropped really about how the medical profession works because I, I reversed the situation and said, if I was the, the GP and I had a patient like me who came in yeah. with the transformation that was clearly visible yeah. and the performance metrics that were clearly visible, yeah. I would have said, Right, mate, I want you to come in here tomorrow <laughs> two hours and tell me exactly how you've done that yes. by ignoring everything I've been telling you to do for the last four yeah. years. Or. Yeah. And it, it was the, 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 the attitude was more, oh, that's brilliant. Well done, mate. And the pat on the back, lots of smiles. I'm, we're so pleased that you've, you've healed yourself. Mm. And that was the end of it. Because <laughs> they didn't want to have that. And I said, well, surely you want to know how I've done it. And then I can maybe help you your other diet, because I know how to reverse type 2 diabetes yeah. perfectly naturally now. Yeah. You've got loads of diabetics at this practice. I could make them all well, and they don't need any of your drugs. And it was that point where, oh, no, no, we don't want any of that. Yeah. Just, you just move along now, and well done, and carry on. And I, <laughs> it was that point where I realized that I had a big fight on my hands to get this information out. Mm. And, of course, when you try to 
to explain this to people or or to try and get them to look at the at the data and the research to find the flaws in what they think is true yeah you get a lot of you get a lot of barriers you get a lot of abuse mm. a lot of ridicule marginalization yeah and it's, it's quite an uncomfortable journey and it t- takes a lot but there's so much at stake here oh, yeah. i feel i have to talk about these things yeah. from my perspective from my experience yeah. in the hope that it might just one small thing might help somebody go away and think, oh, this guy said about, I'll go and have a look at that yeah. ketogenic diet. I'll go and have a look yeah. at this carbohydrate or the cholesterol issue. Yeah. And then that might spur them to do something similar. Yeah. I, well, I know from my own experience, when I went onto a ketogenic diet and I started doing intermittent fasting, because I fast normally between 18 and 20 hours a day, that I was already at a good level of health, but things changed so dramatically. You know, I lost weight. I didn't realize I needed to lose my energy levels, went through the roof. My sleep patterns improved. And, and I was already coming from a reasonable start point because I've been careful for so long. But yeah, it's, it's a humongous difference when you start to do that and start to get more fat in your diet. Yeah, fat's essential for your health. And, all, yeah. and you mentioned the fasting. That is another critical aspect of this. Yeah. It's a crucial pillar because we're not designed to be eating all the time. No. I think our alimentary canal, it needs a break. It needs not to have to deal with the input of stuff because yeah. if you keep putting stuff in there, it has to keep working out what to do with it. Yeah. And that... It, distracts it from repairing yeah. stuff that needs repairing yeah. it has no downtime to deal with this housekeeping it needs to yeah. do yeah. and obviously you all know that the various lengths of fasting will give you various yeah. benefits and this intermittent short fasting is very easy to do it's very easy to compress your eating into an eight hour window or whatever and get 16 or 18 hours yeah. of free time for your body to just yeah. clean itself out and, and do other stuff yeah. and I think once you grasp that that is part of this regime, it's not just what you're eating, it's when you're not eating. And it's also the combination and when you eat. It's not as simple as just eat this. It's when do you eat that stuff? Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't eat carbohydrates. If I'm I'm doing a five-hour cycle, I I will have lots of ready energy available. I'll have bananas and grapes and honey and dates and things like this Mm -hmm. because that's that's an appropriate Mm-hmm. time and place to be using that stuff yeah. but if i sat watching a film i don't want to be eating a banana no. i'd be better off eating a piece of cheese no. and there are reasons for that good biochemical reasons for that yeah no that that's that's absolutely fascinating so what is your life like now because it sounds like you're a different man i'm completely different i mean i i am to explain the athletic journey because i'm at some point along that journey i decided that I would set the goal of, of doing an Ironman okay. just, to pr- just to prove that I could do it and that the heart attack was not the end of my athletic career. I'd already done the half, but I hadn't really enjoyed it, and I was last in my category. So I wasn't performing at all. It was just an exercise in completion. Yeah. So is, is an Ironman where you swim the channel, you cycle across <laughs> Europe, and you climb the Himalayas for fun on the it same feels day? That. <laughs> <laughs> it sometimes feels that way. Um, it's a 2.4-mile open water swim yeah. followed by 112 miles on the bike. Yeah. And then a full marathon run at the end. All in the same day? All in the same day. It took me about 15 hours the first time. Okay. Um, so it's a, bit, it's a long day at the office and it's a huge strain on the body. Yeah. And I know it's probably not the, the most sensible thing because the body's not supposed to be doing that. Um, and I wasn't stupid about it. I actually saw three or four cardiologists. I went through a lot of tests. Mm-hmm. They put me through a lot of really hard stress tests. And I did a build-up races, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so I was fully trained. The, 
I mean, the cardiologist thought I was mad. And one of them said, you probably will die, either training or doing the event. He said, I don't I don't value your chances of finishing this thing alive. <laughs> and I thought, well, mm, fair enough. But then you got the other end of saying, well, go for it. And, and that, I think they realised that it was important to my well-being that yeah. I could do this. Yeah. And the fact that it was going to hurt my body was, was not really a factor. Yeah. Because I knew if I could do it, that would set an example for me mm. and for other people yeah. that not the end of the world if you've got heart disease yeah. or diabetes and stuff. You can turn these things around yeah. if you take control of your health. Yeah. And then, you know, just... and But I, was, I got sort of addicted, if you like, to this. And so I did another one the following year. So mm. I've done two of those now. And I would have done another one last year had it not been for the current events. Mm -hmm. um, and my goal now is to go to Kona, which is the World Championships mm -hmm. for Ironman, and, and compete there. Mm -hmm. um, and I still got that goal going if they'll you know, they let me travel, etc. You're carrying on like a young man, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because well, until this year, well, I've eased off a bit. I was getting faster and faster. So I was actually faster, longer, yeah. further than ever I could when I was in my 20s. It's just remarkable. Well, I tell you what's interesting you say that. When I was doing all my original research for on health and I was documenting it all to what it ended up becoming that book I've written um, that I keep updating, that I was looking at some of the old races, not, not running races, but the old kind of um, groups of people, that kind of race. And I was coming across people like Hunzers and stuff like that where the guys in their 80s were physically more dominant and stronger than guys in their 40s and i thought that was really interesting that you would continue to evolve and develop because i know i'm stronger and fitter now at 56 than i was when i was 40 and 35 which is really yeah. interesting it is and it goes completely counter to what we would expect yeah. to happen yeah uh, i suppose you could say because you're abusing your body in your youth that, that that's why it wasn't performing better mm -hmm. and it could have performed better had you done this, this thing now yeah then it would have been better then but um, it is what it is. And, and last year, I was lucky enough to qualify for the Great Britain age group team. <laughs> well done. So I, I've gone from an also ran, yeah. you know, literally I was last in the races that I was competing yeah. in, to being able to compete on the international uh, playing field. And that, to me, is something I would never have thought possible. That's and wonderful. I'm so... And I'm so thrilled to have done that, just, yeah. to, just to, to prove to people that it can be done if you put your mind to it. And to not, not believe what you're being told by yeah. the mainstream, yeah. not blindly believe it anyway, I'm not saying it's all wrong, but you need to question things that fundamentally affect your health yeah. and take control of it. And, and some of it will good, take what's good, but ignore what's bad and do your own independent research and yeah. then come up with the best solution for you based on the, the truth rather than on the, the dogma that we're fed all the time. I, th I think that's tremendous advice. So knowing what you know now, if you could have a chat with your younger self about this, what would you say? <laughs> How's that for a question? <laughs> you don't know what an idiot you're about to be, mate. No, <laughs> I, th I think it, it, it is this, because um, I think in my youth, I was very much indoctrinated into the mainstream scientific yeah. paradigm. And so I used to think that science was truth and it, and it actually was almost unquestionable some of these things yeah. were unquestionable yeah and the the more i've learned over the last few few years is that very little science is is built on firm foundations mm -hmm. it's mostly hypothesis or conjecture mm 
-hmm. It's not the truth. It's our best guess in many, in many ways. Yeah. And sometimes it's a very bad guess. Mm -hmm. And so I would not have put so much faith in these pillars of science mm -hmm. that I built my worldview around. Mm -hmm. I would have told myself when I was 20, just question everything. And if you find evidence to the contrary, stand up for it, investigate it. Look, you know, why is this contradictory yeah. to that? Yeah. Rather than saying, this is definitely true, so I'm going to ignore that as yeah. some sort of anomaly, yeah. which is what's happened to me in many ways. Mm -hmm. I'm an anomaly in the medical world because I don't conform to what the medical system says should happen to, yeah. because of my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and so I would probably have told myself to be more confident to question and more confident to stand up yeah. for my own truth, yeah. from my own independent research, and to, to take information from all sorts of different sources, mm -hmm. not just rely on this mainstream narrative, mm -hmm. which is completely, I know that is completely controlled, um, and to take non-agenda-driven information mm -hmm. where people have not got a vested interest in telling you something. They're telling you because they believe it's true. Yeah. And to, to look at that as well and, and look at the whole thing and say, okay, I think this is probably true. That's right. That, that, that's what I encourage people to do. Someone said, you just want me to think like you. And I'm like, God forbid. No, I want you to think like yourself. Exactly. Because your view yeah. is hugely important. I can tell you what it looks like from where I'm stood. What we need yeah. is where, what are you stood? And this is why conversations like this are so beneficial, not just for, you know, for the people listening and watching this, but it's also for us because there's so much more information going back and forth at other levels too. And we're all learning from this and expanding our horizons and getting a broader view of the map of the territory. So we can look at it and go, actually, that needs to be moved here now. Because I, I change my view a lot, not, not in big areas these days, but little small kind of precise movements just to get the thing lined up better. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to keep tweaking things, haven't we? And we've yeah. got to be open yeah. to new ideas and new suggestions. Yeah. And I'm finding this all the time. I mean, uh, I think the water area is one that you've been up on for a long time, haven't you? And I was never really... Well, not not really. Uh, I've been up on it for about seven months. Yeah. Uh, but I think water's got a huge role to play in health. Oh, God, There's yeah. a lot more water than meets the eye. Yes. When you look at the, the, the way it responds to frequencies, yes. the, the patterns it makes yeah. and stuff, there's so much more to this substance yes. than meets the eye. But we've we've sort of ignored it in, in many respects. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at that side of thing a lot more now, and I'm looking a lot more at the spiritual side, and I'm also looking at the historical narrative more than I used to. Yeah. Because a lot of what we think is based on our perception of history. Yeah. And a historical narrative is nonsense. Yeah. That can fundamentally affect our perception of what this is, what yeah. what we are. Yeah. And what we're doing here, it's all that sort of stuff. It feeds into the historical narrative. Yeah. Well, this there's is more, more. Sorry. Sorry, I said there's more and more evidence. I think yeah. that the historical narrative has been tampered with, along with most other things. That's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, this is why last year, when all this kicked off, and I spotted straight away, I thought this is nonsense. This is rubbish. The numbers don't stack up, and I'm not as numerate as you, but I can read numbers because I write database software and I'm, I'm analyzing stuff a lot. But. I decided, you know what, I'm going to kick everything out that I've been taught. Everything that I've been taught, this is the way it is. I'm going to throw that away and I'm going to go discover for myself because everything else I've learned myself has been so different to what I've been taught, but it's been accurate and it works. So then I throw everything out and I just thought I'll re-educate myself. And last, the last 12 months for me have been amazing, particularly on the historical viewpoint because I never really paid much attention to it because to me it made no sense. But as I've got further into that now, and it's like, wow, that's so different. But you're right, what's happened then shapes what you're looking at now and you can't 
when you get a broader view of what's gone on, you can have a much better grasp of what's happening right now. You can see the path it's taking. Yeah, I mean, the current events, this is going off the, the topic of nutrition, but I think uh, the last 12 months have been hugely interesting yeah. for me to watch play out. Yes. I was aware there was a lot of fraud going on right from the outset. I was looking at the uh, data from China and from the Diamond hmm. Princess cruise ship and from Italy. And so by March, I had a pretty good idea of what was, was playing out. Yeah. And then to see it play out in the way it has, I would never have believed it possible to yeah. fool so many people yeah. so convincingly yeah. for so long. Yeah. It's almost the entire population of the planet yeah. think one thing is happening yeah. when, in fact, something completely different is happening. Yeah, it's it's um, it's probably the best deception I've ever seen in my life. And I have to, much as it's horrible, I have to take my hat off to it. It's amazing. It is. It's simple, yeah. but it's very, very, very clever. Yeah. Um, and I keep thinking there's going to be a little trigger where people are going, I'm going to, that's not right. Yeah. But it just doesn't seem to happen. No. You, you take any aspect of it, you know, the masks, for example. I thought, when they say they've got to wear a mask to, to do this, that, and the other, and it comes out in July, you know, months after the, the thing has died off anyway, I thought, no, no, they won't do that. But they did. <laughs> people just blindly comply. Yeah. And when I speak to people about it, I said, have you read the randomized control trials yeah. about masks? Have you looked at the conclusions of these reports there's not very many of them the science is pretty ropey anyway yeah. but the the good reports tell you exactly the opposite yeah. they tell you that masks don't work in the public domain like this particularly in the loose fitting cloth they've, they've got no purpose no benefit whatsoever yeah. and yet they've got lots of deleterious effects yeah. much greater chance of getting up a respiratory tract diseases yeah. and so you've got this deleterious effect that's probably almost certain yeah. versus no benefit and yet you're complying. Why are you complying? And it's simply because some third party in Westminster stood up and told you to do it. Yeah. And you're too frightened to question it That's or right. to go away and do the research and say, actually, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And people, have, they don't want to stand out from the crowd. We're all a bit like that. We don't like to make waves. We don't like to be different. Because then we open ourselves up to attack. But that's why I avoid crowds. Then I can be different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you you know, you look at the, the more recent side of this where people are opening and rolling up their sleeves. Yeah. And you think, you know, have you not looked at the threat yeah. in, in perspective? There's, there is virtually no threat to anybody with a healthy immune system. Yeah. If you're in the 99.8 or 99.9% infection recovery rate domain, yeah. you you don't need to worry about that as a significant threat to your life. There are far more other things that are more threatening than that. Yeah. And yet you're, you're prepared to open yourself up to the threat of having something stuck past your immune system that contains all sorts of stuff that hasn't been tested properly, whatever they say. Yeah. The risk from that is huge compared to the risk from the disease itself. Yeah. No, you're right. But that, but just on a logical thing, before anything gets to your blood, it goes through a hell of a a processing and filtering and refining stage throughout your entire digestive yeah. tract before it meets your blood. So the idea yeah. of poking something straight into it, really, it, it's going to cause problems unless it's absolutely pure because your body simply isn't going to expect it. It's going to go everywhere all at the same time. Yeah. And so I, I think I think society views vaccination as a binary thing. They th I think particularly the medical world will say it's, it's, it's all for good. It's, it's always for good. Yeah. And the public take on that binary view. Mm -hmm. And if you've got any, any contradictory 
yeah. uh, view, then you're an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I've had more vaccines than most people who would be watching or listening to this. Yeah. And it's not anti-vax. It's common sense. Mm-hmm. Some Sometimes a vaccine may be helpful, but it's weighing up, is this going to be more helpful potentially yeah. than the threat that it's supposed to be protecting me against? Mm-hmm. And if, if that balance doesn't make sense, then I'll say I'm not having that one. Yeah. If I get bitten by a rabid dog, it might make sense to have a vaccination against rabies. That might make sense because the threat from the rabies might be more immediate than the threat from a, a vaccine that's been shown not to have any particular side effects. Yeah. And that's a common sense decision to me. Mm-hmm. It's not being pro-vax, anti-vax. Yeah. It's being what's the chance of this damaging me versus that damaging me in this particular circumstance. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the way that people think. No. Um, and I find that mystifying because if you're going to circumvent your natural protections, you really need to have a reason to do that. Absolutely. Otherwise you're opening yourself up to who knows what. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a, a very, uh, a very nice way to put it, a very clear way to put it as well. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I try to make this argument to people, but of course now the censorship's coming in. It's very difficult to have this sort of conversation in any public domain now yeah. without either being shouted down or it being removed. I mean, a lot of people who are trying to make the same point are being censored yeah. on YouTube and on Facebook and et cetera. Yeah, well, um, I, I had 17 videos taken down. I got two strikes, so I took 160 of my own videos off that platform. Uh, yeah, just so I could still maintain the conversation with people, you know, and, and yeah. there's, there, there are ways of doing it. And, and, and I get I get why there's a problem there, because you're using that their platform is there to side really to distract people. That's what YouTube's about. It's a massive distraction. It's got some good elements to it and some good content. We are using their platform against them. So they've got every right to be pissed off about it. But you can be smart. You can be clever. You can be discreet and you can still make the point. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's hugely important that we keep this dialogue open because yeah. the, the threat from not having free speech, and we probably haven't had really fundamental free speech for a long time, but we've had a version of it yes. that's sort of worked. And we're moving away from that now where we're getting more towards a completely censored yeah. uh, world. And that's so dangerous, not just in what we're talking about now, but in general, yeah. it's important that people get to speak what they think is the truth. And it's up to people to listen and then make up their own mind. It's not for some third party to dictate what you can hear or I can hear. We should hear whatever anybody's got to say and then make our own mind up. That's how it should work. And that's being prevented. And I think a lot of people don't even realise that that's happening because they'll say, oh, I haven't seen anything about that on Facebook or my phone. (laughs) And it's because, (laughs) yeah, the reason for that, because they don't want you to hear that. Yeah. Because if you do, then you might start thinking for yourself. And they don't want you to meet your mate down the pub. Because if you have that conversation, you might trigger something in your mind. And that's why they're keeping us apart. They just don't want us to have this conversation. So that all the input comes from the mainstream controlled narrative. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of the reasons, by the way, I decided to do more podcast stuff. Because I realized that the, the, the listen time far exceeds the view time. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I see a long video like this one will probably get maybe 30 minutes max watch time for most people uh, when the podcast version will probably get close on the full full duration of it. So oh, I'm, really? I'm definitely heading back because yeah, people can they can listen to it while they're walking, while they're working, while they're making dinner, you yeah. know, when they're driving, they can do a whole load more than they can with the video. So I'm, I'm spending a lot more time 
retraining and focusing on better quality audio and making the audio content for people. Yeah, and they don't have to look at us either, which is probably well, that's probably a blessing. We've got something pretty similar. Don't? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're, you know, I think we're both in remarkably good health, um, and we will stay that way because we're mindful about what we expose ourselves to, and we've taken time to work out what works and question things and say, so, well, actually, I feel better when I do that, and I feel worse when I do that, so I'll do the first one. Yeah. That's, that's common sense. I mean, I'm not sure what damage I've done over all those decades. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I don't give myself any particular uh, duration going forward, but I'm so happier within myself. I feel healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, people think I look healthy and, you know, I, and that that's, that's all that's important. It's living in the moment and feeling good. It's not just about longevity. There's no point in living for decades and you're living in a home and unable to... That's not living. It's not living. That's being alive, but it's not living. Exactly. And we need to make that differential. I think that's been lost a lot in the in the current events. Yes. Where there's this fear of death. Yeah. And that's not what you need to be fearful of. It's it's you should be fearful of not being able to live I, whilst I think you're that's alive. Put, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you could sum up, what would you what would be a kind of closing message for people that you'd like to like to give, given your journey and what you've seen around you? Um, I think Overall, it's listen and think for yourself. Do not be completely tunnel visioned in in the the, the sort of inputs that you allow into your decision making process. So be open and then rely on your innate common sense, uh, your intelligence and your own knowledge of your own body and self to act in a way that is best for you and not in a way that just follows some sort of arbitrary accepted pathway that's presented to you. Mm-hmm. Um, just be confident in yourself because you know yourself better than anybody else. Yeah. Brilliant. That's yeah. I, I can't add to anything to that because that's the kind of thing I've been saying to people for a long time now. As well. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, it's been great talking to you, Adrian. It's, uh, like, it's likewise. Learning. It's been a great pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And I'd be more than happy to have another chat sometime in the future if you want to explore some other subjects as well. Oh, it'd be lovely. I mean, I'd love to talk to you about the economy or the climate and things like that, which again, are yeah. these uh, versions which impact people. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, um, what I'll do is when, when we get this one wrapped up, I'll, we'll, we'll set another date to do that. I'm having a chat with Tom Barnett tonight. And one of the subjects we're going to be talking on there about, along with many, is about greenwashing and, and how the whole green thing's a complete mess and a fraud. Yes. Um, and they're misleading people with that as well. But we'll, we'll get to that. But I think that could be a tremendous thing. And that may be a subject that's just too sensitive for YouTube. And if it is, then I'll just do a quick pointer and then we can, we can really step into it and put it on, you know, bit you bright you know, on my podcast and we can, we can have a, a nice in-depth chat and, and not worry too much about what's said. So that might be interesting as well. Yeah, indeed. I'd love that. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was been, it's been a real pleasure seeing you and uh, I look forward to the next time. Take care of yourself, buddy. And you, sir. Take care. Take Bye. care, mate. Cheers now. Bye-bye.